This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Zach Moore. I am Haley Stoddart, and welcome aboard. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite ending episode ever to any series ever. Yeah, some people say all good things is a perfect ending to a television show. Others say what you leave behind. Uh, I don't think anyone says these are the voyages, but uh, we have our own ending for the original series. It's called Turnabout Intruder, and this episode... Lots of things to discuss about it. Lots of points. We're not. Gonna, this is not really going to be like we're going to talk down the episode. And blah, blah. There, there are just lots of things about it we can talk around and kind of how it, you know, how the greater Star Trek how it fits in and, and the things that it says about the Star Trek universe and whatnot. And that's kind of going to be our point here. And also, its place as a series finale because hey, let's face it, this is the last episode of the original series. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get picked up for six more movies after this. Star Trek Six is a great series finale you know if yeah I, I think star trek 6 ranks right up there with all good things and what you leave behind for excellent ways to to tie up a franchise and a series in star trek uh but you know rewind in 1969 uh turnabout intruder is all you had for a few years uh until the animated series and of course the movie so uh th- there's a lot to this episode and i i'll say this and then i'll toss to you Haley, we can get your thoughts but i think this episode is underrated in the fact that if it wasn't the last episode of the series people would say oh yeah that one where captain kirk switches bodies with his jilted ex-girlfriend that was that was kind of weird kind of very 60s you know but you know it, it, Shatner put on a good show and it was kind of fun to see that and then and yeah you move on from it right because it would be like in the middle of the season uh, but much like Spock's brain that opens season three, which is another, again, underrated in the fact that it's not the worst episode of Star Trek, but the fact that it's the first episode of the third season, you know, uh, it gets a lot of attention. So, like, if you, and I always say this, if you slice off the first and last episodes of the third season, uh, you get a much more, you know, uh, just respectable season, I guess, uh, because those are the things that stick out. People remember season premieres and season finales, and we can get into some of that here. But Haley, what are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, you, you know, you bring up a good point that if this wasn't the ending, if this was somewhere, you know, a few episodes ahead of where it's placed, it really wouldn't be that bad. Uh, it definitely has some interesting ideas to it. And I don't think it's it's that bad. It is just it's a weird place to leave the series. I mean, the ending shot is great. You know, that's what you want in like an ending shot of, of the Enterprise just going off into a nebula and it's going to go explore more. And so you can carry that story on forward in your own mind of like, oh, they're doing this and oh, they're going to, you know, the crew's off to do this or wherever you want to put it. But but the rest of it, you're like, really? That, that was it? That's that that's the end. <laughs> so, but other than that, like it really wasn't that bad of an episode. Um, I'm interested to think if people think this one is worse than Enterprise's series finale. 
or if Enterprise's series finale is worse than this one? Like, which one of the two? Because they tend to be the ones that nobody really likes. Which one is really disliked more than the other? Well, I think with Enterprise, it's the fact that they kind of, their, their series finale got hijacked by the next generation. Yeah. And I understand, I mean, at the time, Rick Berman and Brandon Bragger said infamously, it's a valentine to the fans. And I understand why they would think that. Like, look, we got the Enterprise D. You love Riker and Troy. Let's put him in the TNG costumes. That was the big error there. I think it would have been a lot more palpable had they been in their nemesis costumes and Riker was like, I'm the captain of the Titan. Now I'm going to look back at the beginning of the Federation. But that's a conversation for our friends over at Warp 5. Um, you know, you mentioned the nebula at the end of the episode. That is a really nice touch. I think they added in the remastered version uh, because, you know, of course, in the in the 60s version, they just had the normal stock footage Enterprise flying away. Uh, but they did a little something special there. They added that that, that nebula. And it kind of reminded me of the end of Star Trek 6 where the Enterprise flies into the sun or, or even all good things. With the, you know, the, that, that's a great ending shot to, to a lot of Star Trek. You see the ship literally flying off to the sunset or the or the nebula set. Mm-hmm. They also, for the remastered, uh, they, they also did a nice little touch on Camus 2, which is the planet at the beginning of the episode. They added a, a ring. Around the planet, I love that when in remaster when they add rings around planets because, as we know, we have several in our own solar system that have yes. rings. These planets have <laughs> these planets have rings out there, right? Now I understand in the sixties they couldn't do that, so that's just a nice little touch to kind of punch up this episode because there really wasn't there wasn't really anything else to, to do for the remastered team other than use shots of the Enterprise because it's kind of a bottle show. You have the one planet set there. Uh, you can't really change that effect they did in the sixties, which I don't really mind. You know, there's a lot of you know, soul transfer kind of movies and TV shows and stuff. And I I think that got the point across. And I will say, that's a really cool prop. You know, if I had like a, a nice like like lounge room in my house, like that that would be a nice kind of, you know, backdrop uh, in, in a library of some kind. Some mood so some- lighting. It changes colors. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> now, now I, I don't want it to change souls, but no. I'll, I'll let it change colors. But um <laughs> You know, because, you know, uh, and getting back to, to kind of what jumped us off here in, in this branch of the conversation, it, if, if you slice off Spock's brain, season three starts with the Enterprise incident, which is a brilliant episode and in my personal top 10 on the show and the best episode of season three, in my opinion. Talk about starting off on the right foot. Um, and if you slice off Turnabout Intruder, season three ends with All Our Yesterdays, which is actually one of my favorite third season episodes. I mean, it's not it's not a you know, one of the best episodes of Star Trek or anything. But it's a nice episode. Now the Enterprise itself doesn't appear at all in that episode, so that that would be that might be an issue for a series finale. So so that that being said, Haley, you know uh, we, we kind of talked about this uh, off microphone before we started. Now it would if this wasn't gonna if you could pick right if you could pick a, an episode maybe of season three that could be the series finale or even just a little story that you would like to have seen in TOS. Does anything come to mind? Like do you say yeah you know what? That one would have been a good way to end, or here's what I would have done for the end of the show. So I like the placement of every episode where it's at. I would add and change it to be, I wanted them to go back to a planet. I think ending on going back to something like, say, Sigma Iosha 2 or uh, Gamma Triangula 5, 6, Six and just seeing like the repercussions of what had happened and then maybe make it so that whatever however the society has advanced on one of those planets based off of their interactions with the crew of the Enterprise either makes Captain Kirk or it makes one of the main crew members want to stay something is there some reason that they want to stay and then there's the repercussions on board of like well this person's no longer coming back and now we have to go off and like it ends as they're going off to find the person's replacement like if it's Captain Kirk and he wants to stay they have to find a new captain or you know Spock wants to stay or McCoy or Scotty you know someone wants to stay someone of the main cast and it's that whole like how do we say goodbye what do you think on that? Yeah, I think that's a good point there to kind of reflect on the repercussions of what you've been doing on here for five yeah. years. Uh, to kind of retouch on a previous episode of story. Um, and I think, you know, being the 60s, it might have even been a, a mission that we didn't even see. <laughs> you know, they could mention like, oh, well, you remember when we were back here this time? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if it's a wash, right, you might as well use an actual episode because there's plenty to choose from of places they've been in societies they've uh, interacted with. They could have. They could have swapped up the placing and everything like that, change it with something else. Um, because not, there weren't really any story threads of the original series. You know, I mean, yeah. there's like the Klingons that are always your adversary. 
the organium peace treaty, which sometimes is in effect and sometimes isn't when they start shooting at each other. Uh, but there's there's not really because obviously the other shows later on, you know, in the eighties and nineties, uh, they have some they have some ongoing subplots that need to be wrapped up, or even if they don't need to be wrapped up, they're there to be like let's let's address that, let's grab onto that and do something with it. Uh, TOS wraps everything up pretty nicely at the end of every episode, so. Uh, unless you want to like bring the Klingons back and do some giant war thing, I don't really know what else you would you would do all, uh, on that front. And then you know that being said, I think your suggestion works as a um, as a still a self contained episode, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that's the key. I think yeah. you got to remember that this is the '60s and everything is episodic. And had Star Trek really ended, you know, they there we actually we would have got exactly what we got just just a random <laughs> just a random episode. Now if they had see see the reason they're on a five year mission. Is because Gene Roddenberry's like, we, we want to get five years out of this show, you know, because then you can get syndication and all that. So again, all these all these savvy business decisions being made uh, during the creation of Star Trek, and had they had the foreknowledge of like, okay, if they got a fifth season, and they're like, all right, we're gonna have a couple more, and this is gonna be it. I think they would they could have still done an episodic show like you're talking about, but then had it be like the like the, the just a kind of a reflection back on what they have been doing out there. Yeah, then that's the thing, like. Mine is kind of that reflection of, okay, we know that we're not going to continue on. The, sh- the series is done. How do we want to end it? But you, it's hard to do that in the moment if you don't know that you're not going to get picked back up for another season and that's it. Like, there would have had to have been at least some forethought saying, okay, well, this is the last one and how do we wrap it up? And so I think that's where my mind is going is, okay, they knew this was going to be the final series season, should say, and we're not doing any more. How do we write that final episode? Kind of where we got with like TNG and DS9 and Voyager. They knew that they were done, so they were able to write that episode that left it in that spot that the that the fans would appreciate that was written well. And, and so that's why I think this is hard to, to say, okay, this is it. This is what we end on. This is what is this and you know and but at the same time i think that there's really some really interesting stuff going on in this episode just not a very good ending yeah I, and then i i know that i've mentioned this in a previous standard of it and i cannot remember where or when uh but of course but i i kind of i proposed if turnabout intruder was a clip show that that actually would have been a very good series finale because you think about it, we can talk about you know t- getting into like, the episode kind of as it is now and not what it could have been or replacing it with something else. Uh, if, if you have this like trial of Captain Kirk of some kind, right? It's the crew against him and for maybe he's possessed by someone. Like you just take the basic premise of the story and then you kind of have these guys sit down and they and they, they talk about stuff and, and, and the guys on the stand, crew members, and you cut back stock footage of previous episodes and and you know th- that's what's funny you know people talk about the original series being like so cheap and all that they never had a clip show i mean i guess the menagerie is the ultimate clip show <laughs> if you want to look at it that way yeah <laughs> literally the characters sitting watching the original pilot but that was so brilliantly done it's oh, kinda, yeah. it stands on its own uh but there is no shades of gray <laughs> of the original series right but if there were going to be a place for one i think that's kind of appropriate because i do think i'm thinking like you know maybe like sitcoms do this I think, but like when there's like a last episode, like I seem to, I can't give you an exact example, but it seems like an appropriate time to sit back and look back at our adventures together and that kind of thing. So if there was ever going to be a time or a clip show, this would be the time. And you have to restructure some things, but I think you could have done something like that, had a clip show. It'd been nice because this is before VCRs and before, you know, obviously streaming media. So yeah. Oh yeah, that happened three or four years ago. Let's take a look at that. Like that, that might've been a cool way to do it. If you want to like work with what you have here. Uh, But of course, again, they didn't know they were going to get cut. Like, there were two more. We talked about this before. There, you know, there were two more episodes on the pipeline, scripts written, right? NBC could have said, hey, we need two more. And they would have gone into production on two more episodes that were ready to go. So that was not even on the radar at all. So there it is. It's the series finale, for better or for worse, of the original series. Like, we all agree, despite where you land on this episode, we're glad there was more of Kirk and crew after this. Uh, but, yeah, let's, you know, the episode itself, right, Haley? What, what? And I agree with you. There's some interesting ideas. Or what sticks out to you of like, okay, that's a cool concept. Maybe the execution was wonky, but the the, the seed of a good idea is here. 
I think it, it really is interesting that we have this character, Janet Lester, who is incredibly ambitious, clearly jilted, not just by Kirk, but by Starfleet, right? And the extremes that she goes to, it's neat that it's a woman who is doing this rather than a male character because you, you attribute those those things to to male characters more than you do with female characters. And so it's really interesting the lengths that she was willing to go to. I mean, she committed murder. She killed her staff, except for Dr. Coleman. Yeah, like a lot of people. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, she, she, her entire research team yeah. is dead. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the extremes that she was willing to go to in order to be a captain in a time when not only it's the 60s, women are not given positions of power like this, and the show reflects that. So it's interesting that even though it's future Starfleet and we're in the future, we're off in space, clearly women are still just delegated to like receptionists essentially. And and so it's really interesting to see this female character have all this ambition and go to all these extremes rather than it being another male character who's like, well, I want to be captain and Kurt got in my way and he somehow got me demoted. It's a woman who just never got to experience that. And so I think that's really the fundamental thing that I enjoy about this episode is that it's it's that that is the setup and there's things that are silly Kirk's like overreactions but of course you would expect that if it's a woman who's essentially trying to control her emotions and not react in a way a female would but of course she's female so she's gonna react in a way that a female would um those are a little silly I'm not big on like clearly when they switch bodies it had to be pink um really uh okay i mean i thought i mean they, both their souls both their souls were pink yeah i don't see that as a gender thing did do you or i i'd never connected with that before that's interesting to well me. no but i think it's a little silly that they chose the color pink just i get for like the visual effects of it probably considering how dark it was it showed up a little bit better and stuff but but the premise that that basic premise is what's really interesting about this episode yeah, okay, so that's interesting. You you appreciate the fact that it's a woman who has switched bodies with Captain Kirk. I I I've found in seeing what fans' reactions are, people's reactions are like like that's like a major problem. They're like, "Why are they why is it a jilted ex-girlfriend? Why, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff." And it's all the gender politics of it is kind of why people are so like, "Whoa, they don't want to touch this episode with a 10-foot pole." Now, I and I I compiled a short list here just so we can have some context. So Dr. Lester is really the exception that proves the rule about Kirk's ex-girlfriends, right? Because just because he's dated a lot of people doesn't mean it's all ended badly and everyone's out for revenge against him, you know? Because uh, we have uh, Ruth from Shoreleaf, who uh, who we see in the episode Shoreleaf, who we knew at the Academy. Uh, we have Ariel Shaw, who's a high-ranking Starfleet officer and court marshal at Starbase 11. Uh, we have Dr. Wallace from the Deadly Years. Again, a scientist. They have a mutual respect for each other, uh, even though they dated back in the day. Uh, of course, Dr. Marcus from the Wrath of Khan, right? He had a kid with her. And they had, you know, they're kind of... They got some stuff to work through when they first uh, kind of see each other the first time in a while, of course. Uh, but they're all, they, you know, they have a respect for each other and near the end of Star Trek Two. And then you have Dr. Lester here, who is the exception to the Bruce rule because she is the jilted ex-lover who just wants revenge, you know. And I don't, you know, it is it is like a trope, a cliche. Like, if all the Kirk's girlfriends be that way in Star Trek, uh, I, I could see that. But I think it's okay to have, if you have a guy who's dated a lot of women, that one of them wants revenge on him for some warped reason, because clearly it goes way beyond him, as you said. Uh, it's not just like Kirk; it's like the fact that the, the 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 system, right? The system is the problem. And you know, and and I think the one that the lightning rod line in this episode, she tells Kirk, he's like, "Your world of starship captains doesn't admit women, right?" And he doesn't really respond to that. Like he's like, "Hmm," you know. So it's left vague enough, okay? Uh, but I, I I love pointing out to people that Gene Roddenberry wrote this episode. Okay, people are like, well, this wasn't Gene's vision. Blah, blah. No, Gene Roddenberry wrote the story outline for this episode. He actually submitted it on April 22nd, 1968, which is my birthday. Not 1968, but April 22nd is Earth Day. So you guys, you know, coming up this month, feel free to send me any gifts. Uh, post of Standard Orbit at Trek FM. But um, now Arthur Singer came in and did the actual teleplay. And then Fred Freeberger did some touch-ups being the you know the executive producer in season three. 
But uh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, as all with all fandom in Star Trek, it's like revisionist history. Like, oh, the show was out of Roddenberry's hands. and did that crazy thing where women couldn't be captains. It was just the times, you know? Uh, so it it is what it is, but but he he did write this episode like it's on the screen. It says written by Gene Roddenberry up there, people. So people that try to just ignore that this is what they did, you know, they corrected it later on when kind of we kind of got woke and say, hey, women can be captains too. Thank you. Uh, but in 1968, 69, this was the case. Yeah, and and that is you know interesting, and I, you bring up a good point that he doesn't respond to that, and but then there's also the talk they talk about how she has always kind of been this way and that they couldn't have been together because it would have destroyed them both that she was always kind of demeaning to him because of his position in Starfleet and and where he was headed and things like that so it it is interesting that she somehow doesn't think that they admit women but maybe in her mind I think that she was always maybe a little bit broken and that by admitting women she she just means as captain you know because I mean clearly women are in Starfleet just not in the role that she wanted to have and so I think that's how she means it that when she says oh they don't admit women into your Starfleet it was just in the positions that she felt were the ones that women should have so in a way it's kind of almost that pushing the boundary of women should be allowed to have this and it makes me wonder how much she was doing to try and and get to those positions and like introduce women to Starfleet and and change their minds that yes you can be a captain even though Starfleet clearly says you can't because you know we're still stuck in the mindset of the 60s rather than 23rd century (laughs) well then even you look at the cage right when when everyone was off the ship who was in charge number one so it's like yeah. some women can be like fill in when the captain's off the ship, but they can't be a permanent captain. Like that that in of, that in of itself is a continuity break for for Star Trek to say because really the only like that's the crux of her like obsession with Kirk in the, at least in this episode is the fact that he's a captain she can't be. So the only way she could be one is to switch bodies to go to these extremes and switch bodies with them. So it's kind of a story conceit, you know. And Star Trek does this across the board, but because this is about something as like you know a hot button issue is this. You know, people kind of, it's like, it, like I said, it's the lightning rod of this episode, and that's why people get so fired up about it. But, you know, uh, you're right. It, just, it goes beyond just, like, just that. And, and if she wanted to be a captain, maybe she should have stayed in Starfleet. I don't know. Like, she's not a commander somewhere. She's a, researching on some weird archaeological dig. So she she kind of did a 180 on her on her career, if that was truly what, what her goals and aspirations were. Yeah. And, and that's kind of an interesting, it, it makes you want a little bit more backstory of, like, what happened to her to get to this point spot where she's not in Starfleet clearly Um, but again I think part of her mentally was always maybe just a little bit broken and she didn't pass that psyche vow and maybe that was the crux of all of this you know she went to Starfleet put in for whatever position as a commander some higher up officer she didn't pass the psyche vow because of whatever else was going on and then that just kind of tipped her over the edge and that's where her obsession to bring in another title of an episode uh kind of started you know and maybe Kirk was there for part of it and he didn't support her enough and she felt that she didn't get that support from him in her moving on and maybe that's part of it yeah, and the, again, the episode is vague enough where, like, you could we can have this discussion. Yeah. Like, well, maybe what she meant was, and well, he didn't, you know. So I think it's 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 fine. It doesn't it doesn't lock down like absolutely. These are the rules of the twenty third century of Starfleet, right? But even then, you, you fast forward to Enterprise, and you have women captains. Then, so Star Trek has since corrected. Even if this was truly a nineteen sixties oversight and gender politics, Star Trek has corrected that, and we are good to go. So uh, that being said, I, again, I find it interesting that 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 you like the fact that it's a woman here and i and i, I agree with you because this because once once they switch bodies right kirk is in her body kirk they even she uses a log entry again i'm very confused about how i've always been confused by how log entries work on star yeah, trek yeah i don't get it either uh, and and, he, and even now it's like we are like they're in the life or death situation 
Like you cut the commercial, people are like pointing guns at him, and then you fade back up, and it's like Captain's Log Supplemental. We have been ambushed by the locals. It's like what? What? Where is this being recorded? But anyway, it's, it's so she records her own log entry. Um, but you really feel like you you really feel the connection like between her and Spock and all that stuff. So I mean, she's not doing. Uh, Sandra Smith was the actress who played uh, Lester, and and she's not like channeling William Shatner or anything. Uh, but but it is it is nice to see that. You, you know, like that, that Spock. You know, he's he's he is willing to to hear her out. You know, and I think that's interesting. I think there are some gender politics to be spoken to that front because you have a woman here who's claiming that you take the body swap out of it. You have a woman here that's claiming something, and you have this authoritative man, like you know, who we think is Captain Kirk. Shut her up, put her in a room. Nobody talks to her but me. Uh, but then you have open-minded, you know, like Spock. He goes in there and and he's and he's breaking the rules to get her out based off his his belief in what she slash Kirk is saying. So, what do you think about that? Well. And I think that's just because of all people on the ship, you would expect the first two people to notice that something's off with the captain would be McCoy and Spock. And clearly, you know, I mean, later McCoy is trying to talk to her too, but like, it makes sense that Spock would say, I, I want to go talk to her because logically the captain is not acting like the captain. I mean beaming calling up to the ship and saying captain kirk captain kirk like at this point kirk just says kirk you know when he asks answers a com or or you know and it's like okay you're going out of your way to emphasize certain things that you're captain and and so it's it's it is interesting that you have that but again he's also an alien he's not a human right so it makes sense that he'd be like hmm well and he was a science officer, so it makes sense to me that he would be going out of his way to hear her out. Well, and also she, you know, drops she slash Kirk, right? Kirk in her body. She's like she mentions uh, the Tholian web events of that episode. She mentions the events of the empath, right? Mm-hmm. And Spock's like, hmm, all very true, but those documents, uh, those those were recorded documents of those events, you know. So you could have read those. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess Starfleet logbooks are just available for me to read. But you know, I think that, and that's kind of a, a you know, slide into the plot discussion here, I guess. But it's uh, that is a weakness of the episode. Where it's like, yeah, I know all this like secret stuff that that no one else would know if you were weren't Captain Kirk. No, but that makes sense though that he would want he would want to hear something that only he and Kirk would know. And, and yes, maybe at this point, somehow they can figure, he figures, oh, she somehow hacked and got all this information, right? So it, it would have to be something that would be just between them, a conversation that was not recorded just between them, right? To And that's why he does the mind meld and then realizes, you know, this is Kirk, um, you know, but it, if, if he hadn't have been able to do like the mine and, and kind of read Spock's, read Kirk's thoughts, it would have had to have been some line, something that just between the two of them would have happened. Well, I think it's a really smart use of Spock too, because, you know, in Next Generation, right? It's like, okay, Troy, why don't you just read his mind or something, right? And here you have, okay, well, Spock's a telepath. Why isn't, oh, oh, yeah, they are going to do the mind belt. Great. You know, so I, I like that they just, they did that. So it's interesting that, like, you know, because they mentioned the, the previous, uh, some previous missions, and then they get in the kind of court martial or trial there with everybody. Uh, you know, Spock says, we have encountered all sorts of strange things over the course of our time here. So, so these little nuggets, like, it kind of, and that's what makes me think, okay, this episode actually could have maybe worked as a series finale because they're mentioning previous things. You could have done clips of other shows. Uh, you have, you know, they mentioned General Order 7. They get the number wrong. It's General Order 4. Yeah, because in, in the Menagerie, it's a different number, but they, they switched from they switched from 7 to 4, 4 to oh, 7. Yeah, yeah. I get 47. 47, <laughs> it's all connected. 47. Um, it, it, that, that just amuses me. Like, 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 kudos for looking up the one death penalty on the book in Star Trek. Uh, from the menagerie, but then you got the number wrong. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I think Chekhov is the one who says it. Man, you know he's an ensign. He just got the number wrong. Uh, but but you know all of the crew has actually something to do here, which which again like makes me think okay that th- this is this structure could work for a series finale because you have you know uh, Bones and Spocker as you said you know they of course would immediately sniff out something's wrong with Kirk. Scotty gets in on it. Scotty's ready to mutiny with them. You know. 
uh, Sulu and Chekhov have a decent amount of lines and interaction and conversation between each other. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, their scene on the bridge is really great, and they both sit back. They're like, we're not doing anything. Like, you are not clearly not the captain. If if Scotty, Spock, and Bones are suspecting that you're not who you really are, then clearly you're not who you are. And I would say that this episode has has a lot of, uh, you know, it's in the higher percentage of what the supporting cast has to do, or these scenes and interaction, the thinking for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they're at, like, Scotty and uh, Scotty Bones have that conversation in the hallway. They're on the bridge, and Sulu and Chickoff are talking. I'm like, hey, are you going to follow this guy's orders? I'm like, are we going to let an execution take place on this ship? You know? And that's, and that's some agency for these characters who's just, oh, warp one, yes, sir. That's all they say. And to mm-hmm. have them say something else is, is, is cool. And, you know, Nichelle Nichols is not here. She had a singing engagement during the filming of this episode. So we had our not Uhura yeah. in, in, in her place. Uh, so she's not there. But everybody else does kind of have things to say. So uh, so that, that, again, makes me think, you know, okay, there could have been something here. Because if you think about, like, that's a cool, like, again, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like trying to take a positive spin on this being the last episode. But it's like, okay, this is the last episode of the show. You know, let's have who's the villain? Captain Kirk would be the villain. Even though it's not really Captain Kirk. It's somebody in his body. Right. He, you know, it's him versus the crew on the ship like that. You could do something with that. And yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I don't know that the setup is the the setup is the main problem here. Um, it could have still been, you know, an ex-girlfriend if that's where they want to do it. But but I think that they could have just fleshed out more of, of what the whole the whole situation really was now. But they, they do go to great lengths to say, like she even says when she's doing her log entry as Kirk, which I guess is under double secret. You know, lock. Hey, like, who's gonna? Are you submitting this somewhere? You yeah, know? because you don't want anyone reading hmm. this, right? But she's like, I, my years of study of, of familiarization with the ship is finally starting to pay off. And I said, okay, well, at least they thought that through as well. So, yeah, it is interesting. Although I, that kind of bothers me because clearly, if she's done years of study with Starfleet, she would know that saying the death penalty. But I guess that's the crux of it, right? Because. She's like, death penalty, we're going to kill him. And and then everyone's like, whoa, okay, crazy. You, you're clearly not Kirk. Like, she would know that the death penalty is not an option in this case. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Like, and, it, and, and I think that's part of the story. Like, okay, we have to have him slash her get hysterical or yeah. to reveal herself, right? And I think that is, that is a, in addition to the whole, like, women can't be captains debate which this episode spurns the whole like oh well she's a woman so she can't handle this kind of stuff right that those are yeah. the gender politics that really is a, another lightning rod in this episode and i think that that's a sign of the times as well because as we know women are just as capable as men to run starships uh but but the thing is she was here's the deal right she was mentally unbalanced to begin with she just happened to be a woman mm-hmm. you know that, that i think that's that's the thing here because she was obsessed with kirk period and i think that's actually helps not kirk and you know her and kirk's body make the argument against her that she's crazy because look this woman's been you know she's she's been obsessed with me for years and of course she thinks she's me now this is crazy talk so that helps but but that's what i'm saying like like yes she happens to be a woman but they're not you know i I don't see it as oh look look at that crazy woman at it again no she's a crazy person who happens to be a woman and that's why she can't take being questioned or anything because you said earlier like she's always kind of been this way you know, always really defensive about stuff, and like her and Kirk would have like destroyed each other, as they say, and that's that's happening right here. Anytime anyone questions anything, completely logical stuff like Spock's like Spock's playing it real cool. He's like, "Well, Starbase Two is on our way. Why don't we just go there?" He's like, "Follow my orders!" Like, dude, like just play it cool. You know, like <laughs> you're just drawing attention to yourself, and of course, that ultimately, you know, is her undoing in Kirk's body there. But I, I have they come up with some other way? to like reveal or have have the the conflict or the climax come about that this this episode kind of would have stuck to landing it might have been better regarded even with the kind of wonky <laughs> setup it has yeah and and that's why i think this episode works in in that regard because if you think about it if they had stuck with this concept but made it a man it would have been weird like it would have been even weirder i should say to have and granted you know it could have been another man but he would have gone about it a different way he wouldn't have said well i'm just gonna pretend to be kirk um maybe they would have done the whole i'm gonna make myself look like kirk kind of thing um but not take over his body so that i could still be him but i like how they do it because it is that you know it shows that she had this crazy obsession and it was beyond 
a normal thing and and I and the rest of the story works because of that and it wouldn't have worked if they had had swapped it up I like the nail filing scene like Bones walks in <laughs> and he's like fine Kirk's filing his nails I'm like now granted yes you men you can take care of your nails it's good to take care of your nails but like that's just one of those first things you're like hmm Something's up. The captain's filing his nails. We've never seen him do this before. <laughs> yes. That's that's good. I, I, I will say I like the way Shatner kind of plays. He plays a little differently. He's kind of like puffing yeah. his chest out, walking along. Sits in the chair kind of like a woman would when he sits down in the captain's chair. And then you can see tries to like relax and lean back and like sit how Kirk would, but not quite there. <laughs> Just the little subtle things that are really interesting of how he's how he's portraying himself. Yeah, this is this is Shatner playing someone else playing Kirk, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 entertaining to see and you know Shatner had the flu throughout this entire episode. Uh so he was not feeling well. So you 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 add in that you're like wow, like that I really it's a really enjoyable performance. Yeah, it's a little cheesy at times that I'm saying like the 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 last, you know, act where he kind of just goes off there like like you follow my orders. You know, he just completely loses it. Uh, that that kind of undercuts most of what they were setting up there, but so that's interesting. So you don't find that like sexist of like this is how they portray a woman playing Captain Kirk. I mean, I don't, but I'm a man, so I don't have that perspective. If I take it in the context of this is 1960s, and in the context of the rest of the show, yes, there were issues with sexism and things like that, but. Again, I don't think it would have worked otherwise if it hadn't been, oh, this is a crazy ex-girlfriend. I mean, this is the whole crazy ex-girlfriend just amplified, right? And and so, I mean, yes, you can say, and it is awful, and it's crazy that, you know, but at the same time, I can totally see a woman doing that. We've had episodes in our recent history of crazy ex-girlfriends, real women just a little bit off and they're doing crazy stuff like it's you know it can be scary and so I think I look at it more as a mental health aspect not so much a sexism thing she really needed mental help she didn't get it and people just thought that she was a little bit off but ambitious as a researcher as a scientist in whatever regard that she was we don't know like if she had a specific title I mean we knew she was doctor but we don't know doctor what that I look at it from that angle of like this poor woman really needed help she didn't get it and these are the repercussions of her not getting help not so much of a, oh, we're going to make this a crazy woman and she's doing all these things and blah, blah, blah to tie in with the rest of the show because the rest of the show has been like this towards women and female characters up to this point. It's 1960s and it's Gene Roddenberry and it's Star Trek. I'm sorry, he was a sexist. Let's admit it. I don't look at it as that. You know, you mentioned that real case scenarios and things like this and I think about, well, these are people, these are scientists, these are people in space. These are researchers on alien planets. You'd think they'd be above this kind of thing, right? Well, then I remember, you know, I live in Houston, so I keep my, my pulse on the NASA beat, as it were. And just a few years ago, right, there was a woman who had an affair with a, with a married astronaut. They're all astronauts. And uh, he kind of broke off the affair, and he was in stationed in Florida at the time because that's where NASA's launching center is. So she got in a car here in Houston, got her astronaut diapers on because she didn't want to stop to use the restroom uh which of course i always thought was the most interesting part of the story because you have to pull over and fill up your car on gas and use the restroom then but anyway time was of the essence to get to florida and confront this man's wife uh or or girlfriend i wasn't sure there it's a love triangle i'm not sure who was you know married or whatever right but the fact is this woman gets this nasa astronaut okay gets in her car with her astronaut diapers and drives across the country from Houston to Florida uh, to confront this, this, this guy's, the other woman in this guy's life who's, who he's actually in the relationship with. And, uh, <laughs> and th- th- it's bizarre. You know, and then fortunately, you know, no no harm came to anyone. She got arrested. She's actually, I believe she's in jail right now. They're actually making a movie about this right now. I just saw a trailer for it the other day starring Natalie Portman, and that's why this story was on my mind. I was like, wait a minute. That looks familiar. Oh, they made a movie out of that. So... You know, this stuff happens even in this scientific field. You know, you think about 
these are the people that were <laughs> sending you to space. But again, we're all just people, right? It doesn't matter what your profession is or what you do or, you know, at the end of the day, you know, emotions can be, you know, funny things and they make you do fun. And lo- lo- you do crazy things for love, right? Especially afterward. When the love is gone, the crazy is still there. Uh, and that's what we're seeing in this episode. Yeah, I I remember that. And that was that was really really bizarre and but it is it it still happens to this day people get jilted for whatever reason and and your emotions take over in those responses that you cannot control because they're chemical in your brain and you don't think rationally even though you are in a scientific field it doesn't matter um who you are you you react that way because we're human and so I, I don't, I can see that in this episode. I can see that, you know, she just, she didn't get the help that she needed. And you can take it and you can say, oh, this is incredibly sexist that a woman wasn't allowed to be captain and yada, yada, yada. But we're in season three of TOS. We have yet to see a female captain. And so you can't be surprised by that. Or surprised that, you know, she would want, that we would have a female character. At some point, we, we're we going to have a female character be like, I want to be captain. Just happened to be this episode. Now, the body swap thing. Do you like those kind of stories, like Freaky Friday and that kind of stuff? What's your take on that kind of trope? Because it does seem to be a sci-fi fantasy trope of like, oh, no, we're each other. What do we do now? I think it's interesting just from the aspect of, you take these actors and now they have to pretend to be somebody else pretending to be them. And I'm sure for them that's kind of an interesting concept to be be themselves but not be themselves or just a little bit different. It has to be kind of fun and just kind of shaking things up a little bit. Um, for me, I I think it's it's interesting. I'm not huge on it, but I'm also not like, okay, I'm tired of seeing this. Um... I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think they're most fun when you have two established characters and two established actors in the roles and they have to switch uh, and truly like embody each other because you don't, you don't really, you know, this, this is the first time, first and only time we've seen this character of Dr. Lester. I like, I don't know. Is, 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 is this her in his body? I mean, is, I, you, you don't know. Right. Uh, but you know, of course you guys, you might've heard that I do another podcast about Smallville, uh, the young Superman show from the WB and the CW back in the day, there was an episode called Transference of Smallville, and you have Lex Luthor's dad, played by John Glover, you have Clark Kent, played by Tom Welling, and they body swap, much like this episode. And, um, you know, John Glover, arguably the best actor on the show, he does an okay job playing, like, you know, teenage, you know, Clark Kent. It's like, what do you, like, he's just, oh, he's like a up-to-do-hero up to kind of guy. I, I, my, my criticism was, like, he's playing about seven years old when he should be playing 17, uh, and this is, you know, criticizing the best actor on the show, so what do I know, right? But I got to say, Tom Welling's best performance in the entire show is this. He channels John Glover perfectly. Like, you can see, you can totally see John Glover in his eyes in his performance. And, like, you know, I always say Tom Welling, like, I love Smallville and all, but he always plays the villain much better. And that's probably his best acting was in that episode where he played the the, the big bad villain of the show at that point. And and, beca- and it was so fulfilling because you had seen you seen these characters you seen these actors as these characters for several seasons at this point, and then you switch you can really appreciate like oh yeah that is exactly what he, oh those mannerisms they captured them so well so I think be it a TV show or a movie series it always works better if you're familiar with both parties before they do this kind of switch than if like a one-off character comes in, like takes over somebody's body. You can always, the, 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 you can always do like, Oh, you're acting kind of odd, but what does that mean? That's so vague. That's so broad, you know, but when you have those specific mannerisms that the other people can copy, that's what works for me. So, and, and then all, it's always the, the frustration of God, people figure it out because you, you, <laughs> you've seen the switch and you're just waiting. Like you feel the frustration with the character who nobody believes them at this point. Like in this episode, she's running on the hallways, pleading to see about bones and Spock and, and all that good stuff. So I think, you know, I think Star Trek, Star Trek done this since like not not the like gender swap thing, but even just like a body swap thing. I don't think it has. I'm trying to think now. I mean, you had two Vix, but <laughs> they kind of combined the two. Yeah. But I, I'm not. Thi- nothing else is. Co- it seems like something Voyager would do, but I can't think of any Voyager episode. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that we have we have like another entity coming in and kind of taking control, but the person is still there. 
but I can't think of off the top of my head other body swap episodes. So listeners, if you know of any, let us know. Let us know. More story possibilities for future Star Trek guys. They've only did it once 50 years ago. So feel free to, to pick up that baton. But uh, so, yeah, you know, Turnabout Intruder, right? And, and, I, I, and I think the uh, uh, this is one of those titles, right, that I never was like sure what it meant. And, you know, uh, turn it, it sounds cool, doesn't it? Turnabout Intruder? Yeah. So I looked it up, and uh, according to uh, Merriam-Webster, uh, the definition of turnabout is a change or reversal of direction, trend, policy, role, or character, a changing from one allegiance to another. So that, that tracks. And, and, and I love the thesaurus they used to use on the original series titles, you know. And, uh, you know, as... You know, some of them, some are pretentious, some are confusing, some are over-literary, where it's like, okay, guys, like we we all know you read Shakespeare, good for you. Uh, but it, it, it brings a certain class to it than it otherwise would have been. Like, if this was an episode of, you know, I mentioned Voyager. Voyager notorious for its um, simple episode titles. This, this would be called, like, Swap or something, if it was a Voyager episode. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, what else would they have called it? Like, what do you think that they would have titled this in in the TOS regard? Like, Turnabout would have been fine by itself. Oh, Captain, my Captain. There you go. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> There's your Hamilton episode. I, I do like it, though. You know, Turnabout, it just sounds like, oh, what's this about? Yeah. That's a word I don't know. An intruder sounds ominous, so let's check it out. So. Yeah, the episode title, TOS, you know, no other show does the episode titles rather than TOS, I think. There's always something there. Of course, you have a bunch of the fill-in-the-blanks, but every show has a has a run of those. Uh, but uh, but even when it's the, it's like the apple, and it's referencing, like, the Garden of Eden or the changeling. It's referencing the stories of, you know, fairies switching babies. So even the simple titles, there's there's some mythology to them. That's our respect about um, the original series. So, so Haley, any final thoughts about this? I, I had a, it was good talking about this, this rather... A divisive episode that people are just kind of don't don't seem to talk about a lot and i, I like talking about these kind of like the fringes of star trek because it's so easy to talk about like yeah isn't the trouble with tribbles great yeah i know and i love sydney on the edge of forever too i know right you know talking about these other things it, it can lead to some more interesting uh ways for a conversation to go I, I think people need to take a look at this from a perspective of outside of the 1960s sexism racism everything else that was going on at the time everything else that had kind of been going on in the series and say okay if I look at this episode from a different perspective and like I was talking about as this this poor woman who has ambition and clearly just has has some kind of disorder of some sort but then she's ambitious and she's wanting to go after something that she's not allowed to have. Like, how would that make you feel? Like, what would that make you do if if you wanted something and you were trying to get it and people just kept constantly pushing you back and keeping you down and so you went about it a different way, you might be in that same boat. You might be, people might be like, you're crazy and your obsession would, would consume you. And so I think people ought to take it a look at a different in a different light. Well, there you have it. Turnabout Intruder isn't the only thing we've been talking about this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks. Like you said, some of the recent novels have gone with Commander Una, uh, which is, if I'm remembering correctly, they explain a name she's kind of adopted because... She got tired of people just calling her number one or something like that. But it's still referring to this backstory of her being the best of the best, being perfect from Illyria, which is a planet that embraces uh, genetic manipulation, I think, and, and you know that sort of thing, and, and breeding for the absolute best. And she was number one in her generation or something like that. Melodic Treks. So, but after I watched Star Trek Voyager, uh, and you know, I was aware of the existence of the uh, Mini Moog Voyager. Uh, I mean, it didn't take me long to just like, oh, it would be cool one day, like if I could acquire the the synth, you know, like the first thing I do with it is redo the Star Trek Voyager theme with it. Then wouldn't that be fun, you know, the Star Trek Voyager theme with performed by the Mini Moog Voyager, right? <laughs> Warp five. So I'm going to go to Sleeping Dogs for my next episode here. Now, 
at this point in Star Trek, I'm really tired of the Klingons, and I was on my original watch of Enterprise, and I still am. I'm really, really tired of the Klingons, so... Did I say the right episode? Sleeping Dogs, I said, right? Yes. You're just looking at me funny here. I'm like, did I say Shadows of Pajama? <laughs> no, 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 you said Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> okay, good. So... The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. She is with a fake him, and she even says, well, it's you, but it's really only my memory of you. Right. Like, that line is heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm not the sappiest person on the planet by any stretch of the imagination. Anyone who has heard me talk for months on this network knows that. But this is heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. Yes, and use the hashtag Trek Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.